guys, welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. Uh, Today is a little special because it's just the two of us. It's our first solo episode. We want to do this every so often to recap our personal experiences, what is interesting to us right now, and where we are in our own wellness practices. So um, let's just jump on in. Um, In this, it's September now, and in the month of August, Allie and I both did a monthly challenge. So I went gluten and dairy free for 33 days. And Allie, you did your first whole 30. So um, tell me what, tell me for, well, maybe first for anyone who doesn't know, what is whole 30? What was your monthly challenge exactly? So whole 30 is um, a, a program, a sort of structured eating program created by Melissa Hartwig. Um, it's paleo basically Mm -hmm. in its very simplistic form, but what, what the goal of it is and what the purpose of it is, is to eliminate all the inflammatories from our diets. Mm. So what you don't eat is anything that's processed or with preservatives, Mm. uh, no grains, no refined sugar, no alcohol, no legumes, so basically, no dairy. No dairy. Sorry, I forget about no dairy because I'm also I'm always dairy free, but no dairy. So what there is, what you do eat are mostly whole foods, vegetables, some fruits, um, a little bit of meat, fish, and the quality of what you get is important. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely something that takes time and planning, but. I have to say it was really um it was really like this act of self-care that I didn't anticipate it being. Mm. I thought it was going to be or feel more restrictive than it did and for me it wound up feeling quite the opposite. Mm. Like a lot of food freedom I feel like I got out of it. How so? Um I think it I think it's like when you start to feel good from the food that you eat, mm. you start to want to eat that food. It's yeah. like it's a very simple sort of concept, but it's not something I'm always conscientious of. I think it's hard to be conscientious of because I think it's like we go through the motions and we're busy and we're just grabbing what there is and this really takes time and care. Yeah. Um and But there's so much, like, with even within what feels like restriction as far as the rules go, 
there feels like there's so many choices. You can be so creative and you really want to, you take the time to cook for yourself yeah, and food prep. Um, and so I think that's where the food freedom came in because you just start to feel really good. Wow. There's also no quantity restrictions on Whole30, which is really important. You just start to eat for your body. Mm. Um, what your body, your body starts to like tell you things mm. and you start to, you can like listen more clearly, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I remember when you first started too, though, I think that's interesting because you did say in the beginning, you found yourself, you were hungrier, yes. right? So how long in the process did it take you to find kind of your happy place? Mm. What did you find were your most filling and fulfilling meals that you were able to incorporate. So, yes, I remember day like three or four, I felt hungry. Like I was eating a lot more than usual. I was like eating pretty frequently, which you can do, but that's just not my normal pattern. Mm. I'm usually more of like a couple meals, like substantial meals a day, but I don't like snack a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found myself being like really hungry those first few days. And... I realized that because I had stopped doing morning smoothies, Mm. which I usually do, um, a plant-based protein, um, but, you know, I gave that up because you don't do protein powder on Whole30. It's truly just whole foods. Um, And a lot of the protein, like plant-based protein is legume-based, like pea protein. So anyway, I wasn't doing that. And typically I have a lot of fat in my morning smoothies. And... I think I realized I wasn't getting enough fat, good Mm. fat, to kind of keep me satiated throughout the day. So I was eating more frequently, um, grabbing an apple, grabbing... So, you you know, you're grabbing healthy stuff on Whole30. It's no big deal. But to me, I didn't like eating so frequently or feeling hungry. Yeah. So once I realized that, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to have eggs for breakfast, I need to make sure to add some avocado. You know, just like to be conscientious of... um, Still kind of doing the fat, fiber, protein, greens that you like to do, but just in the Whole30, like in a new way. Exactly. Mm. So once I did that, it was like problem solved. Mm. And I definitely felt like my appetite sort of adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I learned this month that Allie is like the best cook ever. Uh, Thank you. Not true, but thank you. She is such a good cook. We we roasted a chicken. That's true. We did (laughs) roast a chicken. taught me how to roast a chicken, which was incredible. Um, and you also, you made such good food. One day I came over and you made a bowl of sweet potato, egg, ground yeah. beef, ground beef that she had made in bone broth. It was so good. Um, so with that, it's like, what, were there any go-to recipes? Were there any things? I also remember when we went to the Livestrong event, you packed, um, muffin like egg muffin oh egg muffins I made some egg muffins yeah so just used a muffin tin but I made like I put a bunch of like frozen spinach and stuff and just eggs like super easy stuff I'm all about creating (laughs) recipes that are super basic super easy to do but delicious but yummy yeah um it doesn't need to be complicated I definitely used a lot of zoodles Mm. um Trader Joe's sells them frozen already zoodleified <laughs> zoodled up and that was an easy go-to a lot of frozen veggies so that I could just like saute up some veggies mm. if like I was sort of in a rush or I could do them in a little bit more of a bulk and have some cooked veggies ready mm. to go because you know you don't want to be eating salad all the yeah, time yeah of course 
Um, so boring. And like, I just don't always want raw vegetables. Absolutely. I do love vegetables. Neither but, does your microbiome. No. <laughs> I need them a little blanched or cooked. So, um, so yeah. So zoodles with, I made like this bolognese sauce. You probably had like, it was like a tomato-less bolognese. Mm. And that was, that was like one of my go-tos. Um, you know, I just tried to really, if I wanted something that felt grain-like, I went to, I kept, um, riced cauliflower and riced sweet potato mm. in the freezer too. Also super easy to saute up. There's some great Whole30 approved brands too. So if you want to spice it up a little bit, Yai's Thai is really yummy. It's mm. coconut milk based, um, Thai sauces. Wow. So like a green curry, red curry. The red curry is really spicy. Yum. Yeah, that was really good. Um, wow. So, you know what? It's easy enough. Like, it, you just got to do your research ahead of time. And make the time. And make the time. Like, it um, has to be prioritized. That's it. You yeah. know? You can't not eat. You can't not have food to eat. Yeah. You have to think about it. Wow. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Is it something that, now that we're in September, uh, is it something that you want to continue? Like, how do you want to incorporate your life since... You've been out of it now for like three days? Yeah, so I definitely feel like I feel better. Mm. I didn't feel bad before, but I feel better after. And you look, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Allie looks insane. Thank you. you Your skin is glowing. Definitely notice it in my skin. You look so good. I feel less bloat, for sure. Um, So yeah, sorry to interrupt. What you want to keep? No, I do want to keep it as my basis Mm. with the occasional, like yesterday, for example, we went to the Malibu chili (laughs) cook-off and I had some delicious tacos with like handmade like flour tortillas. Now, I loved being grain free. Yeah. But do I want to have some tacos with some like delicious handmade flour tortillas once in a while, especially in Southern California? Of course. So... I think with the exception for when I make that choice, yeah. like I would love to have this sort of like Whole30 type diet work so well for me and my energy levels that if I keep that as my base, but then have some wine, we also did a little wine tasting yesterday and that was really fun. But like, I feel, I do feel a little lethargic today. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do want to keep it because I just feel good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to like go back to feeling bloated. Yeah, yeah. And if sorry, I know this isn't necessarily like about Whole Thirty, but you have been dairy free for eight years. So dairy wasn't yes. a hard thing for you to give up no. in this month. And you have such an interesting story about why you yeah. went dairy free, and I'd love for you to share it. Okay. Speaking of, um, <laughs> and then we can talk about like how. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to hear your dairy experience. So let's talk about dairy for a second. I love to talk about dairy. (laughs) Um, So about eight years ago, I developed. Gosh, maybe nine years ago now, developed like cystic acne. Mm. I'm talking painful, horrible acne all over my face. Had never really suffered from acne before ever. I mean. Normal hormonal. hormonal pimples, teenage years, whatever. But this was like I was 23, and I developed cystic acne. And I went to the dermatologist, and they pumped me with antibiotics and topical creams, and da 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 da. There was like all this stuff that I was on. 
About three months goes by, nothing is happening. I'm miserable, don't want to go outside, want to put, like, have to put makeup on every day. I'm in pain on top of all the confidence stuff. Just like it was super unpleasant. And then one day I came across, I was just like out in a restaurant and this woman came up to me and she was like, honey, she just started talking to me about my skin, which is like, honestly, the last thing you want to talk about when you're like suffering so badly, man. uh. But I was like, I sort of chosen that moment to not be like, embarrassed or anything because I was just so desperate to like find a solution exactly so she's like I know what's going on with your skin she's like uh you have a dairy allergy give it up and see what happens she was like this little like a witch angel like a fairy fairy. godmother like witch doctor didn't know her she was like a holistic skincare specialist I didn't know her I just believed her because at this point it didn't matter I was like I'm gonna try anything yeah so I quit cold turkey right there and like I was back up for a second I was like a dairy lover (laughs) I mean I would drink milk like (laughs) by the pint glass my college roommates used to make fun of me but like we would have like milk with mac and cheese for dinner okay dairy queen I'm sure I like gave myself the allergy but um I quit cold turkey there, and then and within four days, my skin cleared up. Unbelievable. And within a week or two, it was totally gone. And I'm talking like this was cystic acne. This was not like surface-level pimples. Unbelievable. This was like deep-rooted. So I go back to the dermatologist, and I explain to her what happened. And she just goes, oh, yeah, well, we all know that like here, dairy is not good for the skin. We None of us mm. eat dairy. Or, And I was like, I just had this moment. I was like... Could we have not started with that? You know? Exactly. Like, why are you medicating me? That's, mm. And it's not working. Yeah. When you when you already knew this, that I didn't know. I yeah. wasn't educated about that. I didn't know that dairy was an inflammatory. I didn't know a lot at that mm. point. And so I just started to dive into my own research about it all. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, yes, our dairy products are quite processed with, oftentimes with antibiotics, hormones, right? But when you think about it, even if it's organic, like the best quality dairy, dairy in and of itself is hormonal because it's, it's cow's milk to make baby cows grow into big cows. Exactly. And it's just like when a mom is breastfeeding a child, all the like growth Nutrients. Nutrients. All the growth sort of like aspects of milk. It's to make things grow. Mm-hmm. But we're the only species that ingests another animal's milk. Animal's milk. Mm, so interesting. Right? Yeah. And and I read a statistic recently. I think this is something that Max Lugaver quoted, which was like he showed this really funny meme that I thought was just hilarious because it was like, oh, it's just something like. You're not lactose intolerant. You're just not a baby cow. And it was like, oh yeah, like that's 75% of people Mm. are lactose intolerant. Like we don't have the enzymes to to digest cow's milk Mm. products. Mm. You know, there are more enzymes in the goat's milk and stuff. It's a little bit easier on the human body, but it's like, it's going to create inflammation, you know? 
Yeah. It's an inflammatory. That's so interesting. So, and that, you know, it makes sense because my, my monthly challenge was I gave up dairy and gluten and I also didn't drink, but that wasn't, it's so interesting because that was a challenge I made for myself in May. So I hadn't really... I really haven't been drinking since May just because I felt so good after taking a month off of alcohol that I didn't really want to go back. Um, So that wasn't hard, but dairy and gluten was an absolutely, or what I thought was going to be an absolutely impossible challenge because, um, yeah, I love cheese. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even dairy, but I know I've mentioned on this podcast many times before that I'm an emotional eater. And for some reason, cheese specifically is what I want to eat to fill up whatever nook and cranny needs that emotional. Cheese is delicious. Let's be honest. It is. So I never, ever thought that it would be something I could give up. I can't believe I did it for 33 days. Um, And the reason it was 33 days for me is because in January and February, I participated in the brunch series, which we've also mentioned on the podcast before. Um, It's where I met Annie Vovan and Crystal and Kendra, like three of our guests I met through the brunch series. Um, But Danica Breisha, who is now taking it on a national tour, she recommends that every month you pick a monthly challenge to, to test yourself. And it could be quitting dairy and gluten or doing Whole30 to journaling every day right. or meditating every day. It could be anything. It could be anything. So, But she also recommends that you start a couple days before so that you can figure out trial and error. So in those couple days, I had room where if I really wanted cheese, I could have it. I just didn't have it. So then I became 33 days dairy yeah. and gluten-free. But um, it's so interesting. I'll start with dairy because... Um, I would really recommend if anybody listening has something that they think would be impossible for them to give up for a month to just do it because it was the most empowering thing I've ever done. It completely changed, I think, my relationship with food for the long run, which I'll circle back to. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, because there were moments where I really wanted cheese. There were moments where I felt those emotional pangs and those emotional moments. And I had to deal with those feelings instead of, you know, melting some cheese on, I don't even know, I guess string cheese. I don't even, I don't even remember. It feels like a lifetime ago when I was bound by cheese, but just like Allie, um, my skin, I didn't have a breakout the entire month, which is unbelievable. And I still get, um, hormonal breakouts and did not happen this month. Unbelievable. And, um, I did, you know, have like cauliflower crust pizza with uh, diet cheese and yeah. cauliflower gnocchi with Kite Hill ricotta, you know, so I had like substitutions, substitutions. Um, but that's how, like, listen, that's, I couldn't do substitutions <laughs> on whole 30 cause Which you can't have anything processed, but I'm also used to not doing dairy for eight years. Right. Yeah. So it's like, but there's so many yummy, delicious options. So many. And so when I wanted Italian food or my husband wanted pasta, I was able to make, you know, brown rice pasta with some melted diet cheese on. You know, I was able to still live a very 
normal life without dairy, which again, for probably most of the people listening is, but for me who was like a dairy addict, especially with cheese, it was impossible. So that was so empowering and so incredible. And, um, something I definitely also want to continue like, um, this, this weekend, Specifically, this episode's coming out on Wednesday, but this is Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So, um, you know, Friday night, I went to dinner with some friends and I had some hard Parmesan cheese on top and it was delicious and I felt fine. And, yeah. you know, we went um, to the, the, the chili cook off and, you know, um, I had some chili and then we went for some wine. And it's so interesting though, because this is this is my food freedom from it is usually I have such part of why I wanted to give up dairy too is not just my emotional attachment, but I do have some like digestive issues. Like Mm. I would have really bad stomach aches and I knew it was going to be either gluten or dairy that was causing them. Um, but I didn't, I haven't had a stomach ache all weekend. So I was like, wow, if you take it out most of the time, you can enjoy it when you really want to enjoy it. And, um, and you know, usually come Monday, after maybe a more indulgent weekend, I I would feel so bad and then just probably continue eating not as good because I had already like blown it over the weekend or it would take me a little bit of wiggle room to get back in. But I woke up today and I felt so good. I felt so happy because we had had such so much fun yeah. and I didn't have a stomach ache. And yeah, I like I went to uh, my workout class this morning. I had my Fab Four smoothie. Um, I just was back and it wasn't something I had to think about like usually I have to be like okay well Monday you're back on right right? it's just the norm it just is the norm what's not the norm is the indulgence exactly and that's really cool that's it's just the table right a hundred percent so that was what the month gave me and then gluten so now to gluten because that was my experience with dairy gluten was so much harder Mm -hmm. I definitely did 33 days without any conscious gluten but I don't think I would have been like celiac certified gluten free because um I really tried we would go to restaurants and I would ask what was in the sauce what was in the right all like what what are you putting on the plate and they would assure me there was nothing in it or if there was flour in a sauce they'd assure me they could take it out um I didn't have any bread or pasta or any what I did not have any white or wheat flour the entire month um of August even when I went to Disneyland with my brother and his girlfriend that was I thought that was gonna be so hard but we went and you just have to take the bun off of everything but even in that I'm like what oils are you know it's it's really hard with gluten um and there was one night specifically that I went out um I had to go out to dinner this night and I didn't have to I but it was um it was like a I went out to dinner and it wouldn't have been a restaurant I would have chosen, but I went out and it was Asian based and that's okay. a lot of soy and gluten and different things. Yeah. And I, again, I would ask and ask and ask. And that was about day maybe 16. And when I got home, even though I had asked, even though I made sure everything on my plate wasn't gluten, I had such a stomach ache after. And I was like, there must have been something soy in that, in which sauces. makes me think I might have more of an aversion to gluten actually than dairy because of how much my stomach hurt just that night after yeah. maybe 16 days off of gluten. So I don't know, but it was a lot harder. Similarly to dairy, I'm, I want, and similar to your experience, I want to make this my base. I don't want to have dairy and gluten be big parts of my diet, but you know, they weren't anyway. You said something when we were talking 
I think a couple weeks ago that doing Whole30 made you realize how clean your diet already was. Yeah. Because in the same way, I realized I wasn't eating a lot of wheat or white flour to begin with. Right. So it wasn't, for me, it was more the sauces that were really difficult. Sauces are hard. I think the same challenge with Whole30, which is like, I don't know what the ingredients are. Like the preservatives, that was something to be really conscientious of. And yeah, the sauces, like dressings. If you're out, I would just ask for like oil and vinegar because I know that I can have olive oil and vinegar, right? Yeah. But it's like, there's so much stuff in, yeah. in the, like the side stuff, the dressings, the... And it's like forcing yourself to be aware of what the ingredients are just allows you to make more conscious choices. It does. It does. And I think, again, like the freedom that I have today, we're recording, you know, um, after a really fun, indulgent, lovely holiday weekend. And the fact that I didn't have to wake up this morning and be like, well, now I'm back on plan. It was just second nature. This is your life. This is just my life. I was like, wow, that's what 30 days off of gluten and dairy gave me. And so, yeah, I think anybody thinking about trying a challenge and you just do it, you know, and what's the worst that could happen? You know, like that you make it like, I know so many people, you're so fortunate too, to have completed Whole30 the first time, but so many people, it takes them like two rounds to get through Whole30. Yeah. It's so hard, but I mean, it's just about trying something new and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't, go eat that cheese, you know, yeah. or go do whatever you need to do. No, it's not about, like, again, it's not, it's really not about restriction. What it's about is learning. It really helps you learn about yourself. Absolutely. Learn, learn about yourself, learn about your relationship to food and how we nourish our bodies. Yeah. Um, the time we're willing to take. Yeah. To self-care. Yeah. Both with our diet, but in other ways too. It just, it makes you realize, just brings more awareness and conscientious to the decisions you make and to cravings you might have. That was another thing as you were talking yeah. about, like the cheese and then having to deal with the emotion when you chose Absolutely, not to have yeah. it. That was something that, I'm not a big drinker, but like I do enjoy wine <laughs> and cocktails and there was like one night, I think it was like day 14. See, I still remember what day it was at Whole30. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired and I'm so fried. I just want a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going out that night. I was going to see some music. I was going to see a show. And I was like, oh, I just want a cocktail. And I didn't do it, but I was aware of the fact of like why I wanted it. Mm. Like not just socially, but to like take the edge off of a long hard day absolutely and that was really good for me to have this awareness so that when I did start drinking again or have those glasses of wine or reach for it why am I reaching for it do I really really want it absolutely or is it to get something out of it exactly exactly Ali what else are you listening to or reading is there anything else that's interesting you right now I've been really into I think I talked I talk about him on every one of our episodes. I feel like I'm sorry. But Dr. Mark Hyman, I'm in, in, I love love I'm in love with him. I'm, I'm in love with what he talks him. about. Um, I don't actually know him, but he's a functional medicine doctor and he's really like a pioneer um, in the field. And he has a podcast called The Doctor's Pharmacy, but that's F A R M S E. And. 
one of the most recent episodes that I listened to, which I made Erica listen to immediately, was with Dave Asprey, who's the founder of Bulletproof, mm. all the Bulletproof products. And um, Dave had like an insane weight loss journey, healing chronic illness kind of experience. And a little similar to Dr. Mark Hyman because yeah, he cause cured he had, a lot of illness. He had um, chronic illness and fatigue too. And now they do this for a living. But from Dave's kind of point of view with Bulletproof Studios, so they call themselves uh, biohackers and basically use technology and data and science to figure out, like, the most effective way to be healthy, right? Like, mm. what does that mean? You know, because he's talking about how how many hours, especially Los Angelinos, are in their cars, mm. et cetera. But that they were doing these tests and these studies where they would do a certain kind of like intense exercise for 35 minutes or 30 minutes, three days a week with certain people versus like people were doing like 60 plus minutes of cardio six days a week. And the way the, the people who were training in this way, but like for shorter periods of times, less times a week had 9% lower body fat. Mm -hmm. They were doing less time in the gym, but it was like, what are you doing with exactly. that time? So to be like, to work smarter, I guess, mm. work out smarter, um, and do all the things that, you know, that help your body condition, like long-term, long-term. And what else are you reading? Anything interesting right now? I'm reading right now. I'm reading. Um, I'm still reading. I sort of like pick up things, put them down, pick up things again. Mm. Still reading Max Lugavere's book, um, Genius Foods, mm. which is really incredible. It's all about fat. I feel like I'm in this fat kick, <laughs> in the good fat kick. Um, just like, ugh. This is how I feel about what this country has been taught mm. for the last, I don't know, 40 years. Mostly the 80s and 90s were like the king of the fat-free era but like how it's made our country so sick because mm. it took it took fat out of the foods and when you take the fat out what's left is only the sugar and mm. like what becomes more and more addictive is the sugar and so that like chronic illness has increased like exponentially in the mm. last so many years um and so all the like most sort of cutting-edge research from a all-around health point of view mm. but Max's book deals mostly with the brain and it was inspired because his mother started having early onset Alzheimer's mm. in her 50s and um, how you know what what we need to give ourselves to function in the best way possible and that's mm. what like the Dave Asprey podcast with Mark Hyman talks about too yeah. and it's like all about like the fat yeah. And and yeah. that's not all fat. It has to do with like specific kinds of fat, you know. What he what's really interesting is he goes into like all of these new more processed oils. These vegetable oils are really new in the grand mm. scheme of our history and pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um because of the way they break down, um especially at very high heats 
what it can do to us. But like when you have an extra virgin olive oil, there's pretty much like nothing better for your brain. Mm. And you know, our brain is fat. Yeah. And so thinking that, you know, we're just like, if, if we are just burning sugar mm. as our primary source of energy, like things start to break down. And this is me, non-medical person yeah. in my like layman's terms sort of But just what's working for you. It. Yeah. And so I've been really conscious of like, getting enough fat and honestly your appetite my my appetite has decreased mm-hmm. Sam. so exponentially and I'm not trying to Mm-mm. I love food I love to eat I'm like give me and I just couldn't I couldn't even finish something last night and yeah. I was like what is I mean it's like also 110 degrees in Los Angeles but it's like when you have what you need, your body just says very clearly tells you, "Okay, I'm good. This is all yeah. I need." It's like wild. Yeah, it has to ha- like starts to happen, and cravings start to just go away. It's so interesting. You know what else has really helped me is um, in a couple episodes back, uh, Lauren, the fermenting fairy. So if you yeah. haven't listened to that go listen to it because it was so informative and I'm still so obsessed with gut health but she said something that was so interesting about how um if she wants something she'll always ask herself how is this going to make me feel and that in addition to incorporating more fats incorporating the good fats into my diet that has changed my relationship with food I've thought about what Lauren said Mm. and I've been like how is this going to make me feel and again, just from slowing down and listening to my intuition, I'm like, that's not going to make me feel good. And then I'm passing on it. And for an emotional eater, that has been so unbelievably huge. huge. Unbelievably huge to be like, no thanks, because I care about how I feel. That's, that's a revolutionary thing for me. But I think it's really come from learning from people like Lauren, from listening to these great podcasts and um, really knowing that our gut health is so important and I don't want to yeah. mess it up. It's it's like I really want to take care of my my body. It's so funny because Mark Hyman and David Asprey is yeah, his name. He was talking about, and I'm so fascinated with Bulletproof. Like I love a... I know, you always do your Bulletproof I love matcha. a Bulletproof matcha. Um, I'm really interested in just the whole Bulletproof. I want to read his book too. Yeah. I think that would be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll put that on our list. But, um, but it's just so, it's so interesting how caring for my body has started to change my emotional eating tendencies and habits. It's been a very interesting couple of months since we started. Well, it's all connected. And like all this research too, that I've been hearing about, which all these guys talk about, um, and women Mm -hmm. (laughs) talk about, uh, it's, they talk a lot about mitochondria mm. and I'm still like learning about it, but it's how, you know, how our choices affect this, like these source of bugs. energy, these little bugs that live in our cells. Mm. And, but you know, it's like all connected. I think back on that episode with the fermenting fairy, we talk about how like your literal gut health also is connected to your kind of metaphorical gut. Like, you know, we talk a lot about in the podcast, like, oh, that just felt like good in my gut or my gut reaction or my, you know, um, my gut instinct. Yeah. But it's sort of like the more I learn about mitochondria, 
from these doctors and stuff, it's like all connected. Yeah. When your brain and your gut, like your actual gut, and yeah. is all working for you, and your bot, your body tells you so much information about what is safe, what is not, mm. what you should be afraid of, and have a stressful, stressing response to like the fight or flight like am I going to be attacked by a tiger or is this just an email that's stressing me out and and because sometimes when our body is not functioning correctly our stress response I know is exactly the same to those two things it's so whether it's an email that stresses you out from your boss or there's a tiger that's going to eat you like the same process happens in your body but it doesn't need to and so when your body is functioning from its core and like given all the things it needs to be in balance and just Mm. run all of those things are there for you Mm. to like to tell you no now I'm gonna run because the tiger is in front of me or no I don't have to have an intense hormonal like deep deep stressful response absolutely because this is not a threat to me even though it might be annoying it's not a threat it's not a threat to my well-being yeah and I think part of like the link to chronic illness in our society, other than like the obvious kind of nutrition stuff that we've been diving into, but um, is that stress? Yeah, it's all connected. At the end of the day, it's all connected. Absolutely, our food, our body, our mental and emotional health—like all of it's connected. Yeah, and there's definitely like I don't want to. You know, there's so much room. I love, you know. Dr. Hyman says, Western medicine is great, especially for acute issues. Like if you fall down and you break your leg and your knee is popped out of its socket and you need to go into surgery and get some stuff like screws put in there and things so that your body can heal, like there is nothing better for that, Yeah. Right? Like an acute crisis situation. Yeah. But chronic illness is not that. No, not at all. And... Anyway, just, well, just like when you had your cancer, yeah, you you needed modern medicine. To I deal needed with that. to like I needed some surgery, yeah, you know? and I did, and that was. But you know what's so interesting? They're like, they were really because mine was like a skin. Mm. It started in my skin. It wasn't a skin cancer per se, but it was like started in the skin and then grew down. down. And they just were like very very careful to tell me like just so you know this is not food related and this is not sun related we don't know what causes this because it was a particularly rare type but it's just you're just unlucky or lucky whatever like that was like the literally one of the doctors said that to me and this was in dermatology when they originally tried to treat me and then it's so interesting. I learned so much about like medicine in that experience because I went like one of the top, you know, hospitals in the country, mm. research hospitals in the country. And then, you know, once I had a huge hole in my back after going through all the dermatological stuff and they realized, oh shit, like we need oncology to step in. They sent me to oncology and oncology is like, whoa 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 they should have never treated it this way like there's not like there's not a massive consensus on like how Mm -mm. crazy things need to be like treated you know it's like 
really, yeah. really experience-based for yeah. like so many doctors don't even know about food. They don't even know about nutrition. So how are you going to tell me like, yeah, maybe there's no scientific like explanation for, for the type of tumor that I got, but something had to react in my body to my genes. Like even if I had a genetic predisposition to something, you know, it doesn't run in my family. It's not hereditary. My parents nor my grandparents have had any types of cancer. So like something interfered with my DNA and did not fight off these cancers. Yeah. Right? So like what is that? You know, that's what sort of made me interested in this stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's so great. You know, I'm getting um, some blood work done um, oh, yeah. in a week. And it's so... My nutritionist actually wants me to do all these panels and different things. But obviously, she's a nutritionist. So I need it to go through insurance. So it right. doesn't cost me, like, astronomical fees. Um, but it, it was so hard to find... Like, my general practitioner won't do her blood test. He's like, it's so unnecessary. Why does she need to test you for all of this? And I was like, because. I, she's not just going this. She, My nutritionist is so great because she says um, she's not the doctor you call when you have cancer. She's the doctor you call or the, the person you call so that you never get cancer in the right. first place. Like, So her blood test is just to make sure and to see all these things, all these What's symptoms that I tell her that I have that, yes, are not dangerous, but she doesn't want them to lead right. to become something chronic right. or dangerous. But my general practitioner, who I love and I think is an amazing doctor who I really respect, he thinks it's all woo-woo yeah. and ridiculous. And so um, my cardiologist, though, it's so hard to find a doctor that respects, I think, functional medicine yeah. because my cardiologist really does. Yeah. And he, um, he loves, he works he works with my nutritionist yeah. and so he's like yeah let's check all this stuff let's yeah. make sure you don't have like chronic fatigue syndrome <laughs> like, yeah. whatever it is but um and he's a great he's a great 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 cardiologist and so and I have a non I have like a non-dangerous heart thing that's why I have a cardiologist but um it's so interesting to me when I originally brought my general practitioner the the blood panel that my nutritionist wanted and he just thought it was so ridiculous and unnecessary and maybe it is from a medical standpoint since I'm a 29 year old healthy human but it is I'm I'm in this mindset of and that's what Dr. Mark Hyman and David Asbury were talking about they're like we want to live to be 180 and have like and have a quality and have the quality of life and so I think through whatever weight loss I went through through having this Again, non-dangerous heart condition, but I don't want it to become dangerous. You know, I just, it's about taking care of yourself and having your medical toolkit. Like I have my holistic nutritionist and and I know what, uh, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate because this nutritionist has been a family friend since before I was born. So she basically charges me nothing that she charges other people because I could not afford to do these things. Like I'm so lucky to have a family friend who is like a top holistic nutritionist who will treat me for virtually nothing. Well, this is something that you and I have been talking about as like the more we do research and we get just like our personal interest has gotten so like spiked in this whole area. It's like, and this is another thing on that Mm. podcast, not to like (laughs) completely, you know, 
co-op that entire conversation, but it just brought up so many good issues because it's like, how do we access this kind of information and quality of food choice? That's mm-hmm. a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. That's like a huge public health issue. But without being a billionaire. Absolutely. Like, what about the people who, you know, it's like when you're on food stamps, you can buy soda but you like with them, but you can't buy like other basic things that like I can't even remember what I was just recently. You can't hearing. buy uh I'm pretty sure it's like organic produce, but you can buy yeah. like Coca-Cola. You can buy Coca-Cola. It's like I don't know, it's just actually crazy. It keeps it keeps low income people sick. Well, well and yeah. I mean that was I mean, it's so crazy. Because that was basically a large part of my childhood. You yeah. know, I touched on it in our first episode about why I always carried extra weight. But, you know, my parents, from the time I was, I think, about 10 to 14, had, like, no money. Yeah. Like, not, like, like my mom was working two jobs. Um, it was just a really, it, like, all our money went to, like, putting the roof over our head and then gas in the car. So... That's why we ate so much fast food because, and I remember my mom being like, you have to pick from the dollar menu at McDonald's or, um, because it, for freaking $5, a family can eat, a family can eat a large amount of food that tastes good, that hits those like, yeah, those, those pleasure, those pleasure spots that fill you up and you can get in and out for like four dollars you know these were um and I I remember it I remember McDonald's had like a two for two dollar breakfast meal Mm -hmm. because that's what my brother and I shared yeah two breakfasts for two dollars how can you compete with that when you can go to air one and get a juice for eleven (laughs) dollars it is insane so I think and and I, I I have Allie and I have been talking a lot about this and I've been talking a lot about this in different spheres of my life as well but I think because of what I came from with my family and really experiencing that and there are people who say well if you can spend money on the fast food or the coca-cola you should be able to spend that money on the lettuce or the the plant foods or whatever but those people haven't lived it it's very different to be in the situation where you're getting off work at seven o'clock at night after working two jobs, yeah. your two small children are hungry, and even if you can like go to the dollar store and get some lettuce, it, 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 it's just it's not realistic. It's so much more realistic to go through that drive-through, yeah. go to that dollar menu, and feed your kids so that they can eat in the car right. and then get home and go to sleep. Yeah. And so I think that that's the greater conversation because even school lunches and everything, it's just a matter of... It all comes down to money. It all comes down to money. And and how do we make this type of food accessible to you know the single mom with the two kids who's working two jobs? Yeah. And doesn't has barely has extra money oh. for school supplies. It <laughs> makes me crazy because our food system like the more we learn about just our own personal interest in nutrition and what kind of lives we want to lead you know the I just like realized how broken our food system is and how subsidized certain food products are by the government um how engineered some of our food products are Mm -hmm. they're not even real food 
and it's such a complicated issue and 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 again like with even assistance with if you are a family on food stamps you don't even have access to purchase that type of food with with your food stamps yeah you know and it's like but and then there's a whole aspect of like the addictiveness of yeah. processed food where foods made in labs are are engineered to be addictive absolutely and and highly marketed and mm. highly you know and and a lot cheaper yeah and then on top of that it's also like information mm. you know i mean i don't know if i've said this ever before but like so i have two grandparents on either side i'm super lucky that i still have all four of my grandparents living which now in my 30s is like pretty remarkable mm. but my grandmother on my mom's side recently about two years ago had a um quadruple bypass mm. surgery and my grandfather on my dad's side about a year before that mm. had quadruple bypass and they're both diabetic mm. also interestingly enough i got this fact from my grandma who who told me that um my grandpa was getting surgery everybody all of the people that had had open heart mm. surgeries and, and bypass surgeries in his like recovery mm. ward all of them had diabetes wow all of them wow in for heart surgery wow she calls it the sugar you know Al they all had the sugar <laughs> I was like okay sugar <laughs> the sugar is diabetes <laughs> um and I'm like huh and so the more I hear about this stuff but plus both of them have the, have diabetes mm. type 2, right? The grandma who had the heart surgery on one side and the grandpa who had it on the other. And, hmm, okay. So, and all of the other people who are having bypass surgery, you know, who you were recovering with also were diabetic. Yet your hospital is also feeding you um, pie yeah. and orange juice and pasta. Um and my grandpa, he's doing pretty well now. He's like this small, very, very resilient little man. Um, but he is. And, you know, he had sort of the opposite issue as a lot of diabetics. Like, he's had a hard time keeping weight on. Mm. But you can see, like, what an issue it is with his sugar. Mm. But, like, he thinks he's eating a heart healthy breakfast. I went to see him two weeks ago. And he has his raisin bran. And a banana and his skim milk. And so he has a little bowl of Raisin Bran cereal with a full banana and some skim milk. And I picked up the box of Raisin Bran, Kellogg's Raisin Bran, and I looked at the sugar and it had 19 grams of sugar mm -hmm. in one serving. Yeah. Then you put the banana on top of that. And yes, it's fruit, but it's sugar. It's sugar. You have to understand what all this does in your body. It's still sugar. And... So I don't even know how many grams of sugar a banana has in it. But you put the banana on top of your 19 grams of sugar. Plus you pour skim milk over it <laughs> without no fat in it. And it's just sugar. And you can't, like, this is why this man crashes at 11 a.m. after his 9 a.m. breakfast, right? Or his 8 o'clock But breakfast. he does. He must think that's the healthiest breakfast in the world. Because it's endorsed by the American Heart Association <laughs> on the front of Kellogg's Raisin Bran, right? That's so nice. And then he's like, fruit, great. Oh, milk, calcium. Like, we've just been lied to. Yeah. And he thinks he's making a healthy choice. And I can't say like, geez, grandpa, there's a lot of sugar in this. Are you sure? As like a diabetic who's had your heart 
you know, surgery, like, but, but no, it's but that's, information, yeah, right? That's the world we live in. And, and I didn't, I mean, for most of my early twenties, I thought you think like a turkey sandwich on whole wheat with like light mayo. It, we've just, we've been conditioned to think. I think we've been really trained to think calories in versus calories out, which does work, but that's why like 100 calorie packs exist. That's why skim milk exists. Right. That's why fat free exists in the first place. Right. Because we're so trained to be thinking about, well, how many calories are in this as opposed to like how many nutrients are in this? Because right. not all calories are created equal. No. You could have like a thousand calories of good things and 500 calories of bad things and the person who's eating a thousand calories of bad things will probably have a lower weight will probably be in better health and again we're not experts of good things like of good things yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know and we're not experts at this but th from from what we've listened to and what we've studied and we've gone to now um events and we're like we're, we're learning and it's it's just stuff that was never taught it was in fact the opposite yeah. was taught, and that's what sort of makes me so angry I was listening to an episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy that I listened to yesterday, and it's with um, another doctor that um, Mark Hyman has worked with, Jeffrey Bland, who's a PhD on the future of medicine. And Jeffrey Bland's pretty much credited for identifying and articulating and sort of creating this community that the functional medicine world has come out of. Mm. Um, and this sort of started in the 80s. And he's a professor and a scientist. And But honestly, I found myself crying listening to this episode because they were talking about clinical uh, like examples of putting people's bodies back into balance. And just having all their, getting them off all their medicines, mm -hmm. getting just like their bodies. He's like, it's not like that we're healing people. We're, we're, we're treating what's out of balance to go back into balance so that your body heals itself. It's so incredible. And it's like, they've given people their lives back. And I know sometimes they're not as simple as that. Mm. Like, it's not always just like a quick, oh, mm -hmm. you need B12 shots or something like that. But it's like, it, it makes, it just blows my mind at how intelligent our bodies are. Absolutely. And how all these other things have kept us from knowing that. Mm. And that like, honestly, the government is like super responsible for a lot yeah. of this. Yeah. And, um, People do follow dietary guidelines. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if yes, you just look at the numbers of how even increase in produce buying has gone up because um, people have been told they need to eat more vegetables, people will buy more vegetables. Yeah. But if they're also told they need seven to ten servings of grains and bread a day, they're going to eat that. Well, and that's what's so sad because people want to be healthy. They think they're being healthy. And yes, if their genetics are great, Maybe they'll never get sick. Maybe something will never trigger. But a lot of people, I mean, that's why obesity is so huge in our country, is these people are getting sick. People are thinking they're making healthy choices, but they're not. They're being lied to. And I think it is, It's. And it, again, I think it goes to hopefully this, 
will be the change. I don't even know how many years it would take, but for functional medicine to exist with Western medicine, because back to that cardiologist I have, my mom, heart stuff runs in my family and my mom has affibulation. And so she's had to take terrible medications, but she's had to take them to prevent heart attack and stroke. But again, her cardiologist works with her nutritionist and works with her diet and works with, um, healing her body in addition to taking these medicines and actually she went just a week ago she's had afibrillation for like six years she's been diagnosed with it maybe seven and he told her he was like you don't have afib anymore it's not insane yeah and so she's not gonna like but that's i really believe the fusion of western medicine with holistic practice because my mom you know, of course, she has fun on holidays or whatever, but she eats a really clean, clean diet because of her nutritionist. Yeah. And again, a lot of people have doctors. Like, your doctor was like, food has nothing to do with this. And that's just not... That's just, there's no way that what we're eating three to six times a day for 365 days a year is not affecting our health. Yeah. That's, there's just no listen, way that's not there's true. There's so many factors, right? Our yeah. environment, they talk about this too. Like, and you can't be crazy, but like your body also has like the probably most sophisticated detoxification system mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah. We're born with that. So if that detoxification system is giving, is being given everything it needs to work, mm then a lot of the toxins that we take in, and we do have a lot of probably too many abnormal toxins in our environment, but like there will be a process within the body to shed a lot of that, to detoxify. Mm. Um, And it doesn't require like teas and shit like that. Mm. It like literally knows how to do that, right? So it's not about being hyper cautious or living these like sort of paranoid absolutely existences it's just about knowing knowing what and like we're still on this journey I don't yeah. I'm you know I'm not like certified in this although I swear I'm probably going to become because <laughs> I just keep reading so much and I'm just like more and more fascinated and I see how many people's lives can be changed by yeah. it and but it you know it has to do with that and like access to it yeah yeah and even in the health food community it's also knowledge is power right knowledge is power and even with organic foods right everyone's like I have to eat everything organic but actually you don't have to eat everything organic I've from my research that I've done of course if you can eat everything organic go for it but if you're on a budget and you're trying to be smart there's certain vegetables that are really dangerous if you don't eat organic or dairy or you know like there's things that you can really prioritize but then i read like things like avocados are hard with the hard skin with a hard skin they They need to be organic yeah so you can save money that way so i think with everything it's just Dr. Mark Hyman says this, your body is your best doctor. Yeah. You know what's best for yourself. And I think if we, as a society, start honoring our own bodies and our own minds and our own intuition, you're going to know what to do. You're going to, if you have the access to it. And I think that, again, goes back That's to what we were talking issue, about yeah. earlier. Is so many people just don't have 
they access just don't to information. have the access to it. And that's what Michelle Resources. Obama was doing yeah. in the, uh, the public school system with food. And that's what needs to be done. But I think the awareness is the first step. We've been talking a lot about awareness in yeah. all facets of our life. But I think if more and more people become aware and conscious and not and, and hopefully not in a selfish way, you know, where it's just me yeah. and my community. But if people become more aware and more conscious, hopefully that's going to spread outside of just the bubble communities right. of... Of the privilege. Of the privilege, yeah. exactly. Because it is such a privilege to even have the time to be like, I'm going to Google what I should buy that's organic and what's not. Right. Because again, I lived it when you're that child or that parent who has the two kids and you're working two jobs you're not thinking I'm gonna google right what food even if in your heart you want of course I'm sure my mom at the time wanted to feed my brother and I the most nurturing delicious food we could eat you know for our bodies but she also had to feed her two kids right and then get them to do their it's just you're more interested in keeping your kids alive than right. <laughs> let's let me do that research yeah and and it's hard because then you do hear it's just there's no easy answer. But no, there's not. I just think although you know it's interesting. I I hope there's a way, and I don't know. It would be a massive like, it would take massive shifts in public policy, in in public health. Who knows? But in areas that I know not very much about. But. Um, to, you know, like, at the end of the day, human beings should have a right to health. Absolutely. Health care and safe food. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is something that right now is only for the privileged in this country, the wealthy and the privileged. And that's not okay. Mm-mm. So... I don't know what the solution is, but I know that there are many good people working towards trying to tackle some of those things. Yeah. And I think all we can try to do is just become more educated and share experiences. Absolutely. And awareness. And hopefully as people get more... Um, because even Dr. Mark Hyman and David Asprey, they talk. They're like, this shouldn't just be for the billionaires. So, again, I think... I think and I hope more people in this sphere who have money and who have access and who have influence are hopefully going to use that influence to make change, like yeah. Michelle Obama was doing, yeah. you know, as part of and I know, her first I lady. know a while back, like, Jamie Oliver had, like, mm-hmm. a food movement for the schools. Yeah. But so I think like, it's going to happen. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I am. I am. I'm a, I'm a perpetual optimist, but I feel... I, I do feel like in our lifetime there is going to be a food movement. I think it's starting right now, but I think there's going to be a, a movement. There, there's going to have to be. There's going to have to be like a food revolution, Yeah, I think, is what's going to need to take place. And people are going to have to in the way that like there's such a big fight for so many other issues of social justice in our country right now. People are going to have to demand um, a massive change from... Everything from like lobbyists in Washington to po- policy yeah. to you know subsidizing certain farmers. I mean, I read something recently that like if someone 
paid the actual price of what a hamburger, including the bun and everything, would be, they wouldn't be able to afford them. <laughs> but all these products are so subsidized, especially like wheat, soybean, corn in this country, that, you know, it's cheap mm-hmm. because the government subsidizes it. And yeah. it's in everything. Yeah. And it's making us sick, which is keeping us hooked on the most expensive healthcare. I know it's such it's, it's, it's such a, a vicious circle. Yeah, so but I do. I I really think that the next revolution, the next movement, you know, once we because I do believe, I feel like something is shifting with social justice right now. Like things are changing, right? Yeah. There's a big energy revolution happening. Yeah. It might feel like it's going at the most glacial pace in the <laughs> yeah. world, which it is, but it's starting and you know, like we have these kids in Parkland and we have young people young standing, people up, standing for up for what's acceptable and what's exactly. Not. And I do think food is going to be the next it, conversation. It's going to have to be a part of it, yeah, because it affects everybody. Yeah. Whoa, we got deep. Sorry, yeah, we got real deep in this episode. Is there um, anything else we want to like? Is there anything else that's on your radar that you've been reading that you have been listening to? I mean, we covered a lot today. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm still like all in with the microbiome, learning how that, and I'm getting uh, tons of people in my life like eating fermented foods, which I'm so happy about. Um, But yeah, I'm really still fascinated with the the microbiome. I want to read though that Food Genius book. Yeah. um, Next, that's on my list. And yeah, he has a podcast he just started, but I haven't listened to it yet, so we'll have to check it out. Yeah, and um. I, I watched uh, The Magic Pill, which I know I told that, which yes. was such a great documentary that I would really recommend. And it talks a bit about what we're discussing right now, yeah. too. They don't go so deep into it, but they talk about agriculture and tons of stuff mm-hmm. with food. And please watch it if you're interested because <laughs> it's really yeah. it's really great. What about yeah. you? Anything else that you're super into? Ooh, saunas. <laughs> it's it's short and it's sweet, but infrared saunas, I love. That's well, like I, all I need to say. We should just leave it. I Bye. love infrared saunas. They've been so. Um, I've only gone a couple times because I bought a Groupon for some infrared sauna treatments in LA, and um, but it was so great and just to be in a pod. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you go into thing. a pod and you lay and you just sweat. sweat. And I felt like I got the best sleep. I felt, you know, the soreness from all my exercise. It just, I, and I love heat. Like, I love a hot bath. Um, I even love just, like, sitting in the sun. I, I love heat. So you definitely have to like heat to, to enjoy a sauna. But I know the benefits of infrared sauna are from weight loss to pain management to detox. Um... I just feel really good. And I, I did do it after a long span of not drinking. So I'm sure that's why I can't imagine. I, I felt like I was like, doing sauna at like a really clean. I feel like I'm actually, because I still haven't really been drinking much. Mm-hmm. So I feel like doing the sauna at this like clean place I'm at was great. So yeah. I don't know. If you have a lot of like toxins in your body, I'm sure it could be like <laughs> don't brutal. Do it after like. Or any sort of, uh, but yeah, but saunas. That's oh, so I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to counter that on the other end. So I had just heard, because, you know, I've been sort of obsessive 
constantly learning about mitochondria. Yeah. And something that's really good for you is to, like, after a hot shower, turn it on full blast cold. Mm. And um, it's also doesn't cost anything. <laughs> Just put your, when you're in the shower, put it on cold. And it, it's like, the way I've heard it described is like only the strong survive. You're <laughs> like, strong you, mitochondria. You, so you, you, you force your body to kind of create and generate new cells. So have you been doing it? I've done it a couple times. Yeah. It's brutal when you first do it, but, um, you're like, wow, it's only cold water. It's, I'm going to live. It's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, it, man, it wakes you up. Ooh, I'm going to try that. That sounds so really good. yeah. Um, you don't need to go like to a cryogenic freezing. <laughs> no, you just lab. You can just put, put, that water put it on cold. on cold for a minute. Um, yeah. So hot and cold, hot and cold. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had this friend growing up who always said, um, you know how to get rid of a cold. He goes, you have to take hot and cold showers. Like, you have to do, do both in one shower. Wow. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, it, it shocks your body and, and your cells. And honestly, at like 15, he was onto something. I, I'm sure he read like an article about it. Yeah. But I will never forget that. He's like, you, yeah, if you're getting a cold, you have to. I was like, so now I've just been trying it, but I'm like, oh, if I feel a cold's coming on, I always think about that. That's so smart. I didn't know. Um, I just thought he made that up when we were in high school, but it must be based on something. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's so, so cool. Anyway, that's funny. Funny little story. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes. And we'll be back with some more great upcoming interviews that we have lined up, so check us out. Yeah. And if you're not following us on Instagram, uh, you can follow us at Courageous Wellness and like and or not like rate and subscribe to to our podcast on itunes stitcher google play wherever you're listening to it and if you have any requests of something you're interested or someone you would like to hear on the podcast um shoot us a dm on instagram yeah perfect have a great day you guys Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica. And we're Courageous Wellness.